Pickett. She lays it off. Teresa Polias. It's an absolute peach. Yes, driving. What a hit from Melina Rez. Wow. And Sam Kerr has a hat-trick. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Dub. You know, it was a little bit of tension last week between me and Oscar, but we resolved I'm it. shocked that he's still here. Yeah, no, we've resolved Honestly, it. I was, I was saying he's, he's got to go, fam. He's got to go. Oh, my days. Lockie thinking he's from London. But I'm you know not. what? We'll let it go. Very Scottish. We've got a really exciting show today. We've got uh, an exciting guest. Should I say it now or do I yeah, say it? Yeah. That, that is the best time is, to say who you've got on the show is at the start of the show. It's okay. just Radio sort of I didn't 101 realise I was Radio 101. I thought I was running a little bit differently. But we've got uh, Calder United's captain, I believe. Is it captain? Yeah. Correct? yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, there's been a lot of changes recently, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Alex Sinclair on, who we're really excited to speak to today. You know, the side, you know, winning 3-0 on the weekend against South Melbourne in the Nike FC Cup. Some people on the panel today didn't remember what the tournament was called but you know we finally got there in the end Oscar um but uh we're I'm really, not sure who you're referring to I have no idea who I was referring to <laughs> but uh yeah so we all watched the game lucky I believe you were doing some sideline commentary with uh, on tv with uh a fluffy jumper that we see now. Yes, and uh, thank you, Nike, very much for the said fluffy jumper. Although I, I wouldn't describe it as a fluffy jumper, I would describe it as a you know b- a bespoke piece of um of you know fleece hooded I wear do. that I'm is a big fan of it, suitable uh, for broadcast uh, <laughs> around the house. You know, just when you're at work, you know, yeah. uh, plenty of situations where this Nike garment. Uh, would be very, very suitable. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, sorry, I had to. That was part of the contract. I of did course, have to. Of course, of course. I did also cool. promise yeah. to roll that into um to radio up. But yes, uh, hooded and also uh, Nike shirted as well. I was um, on the broadcast for the day, and honestly, uh, I don't know how you guys experienced it at home, watching on the uh, the live stream on the the Valley Park Event Centre. But I thought, all things told, uh, you know, unless you're of a South Melbourne persuasion, this was a a, a very, very good day. Yep. I thought the, the turnout at Valley Park was was great. What I've seen of the the broadcast looked, you know, relatively good. You can't, you know, do much about me and Joey, but you know, you work with what you've got. <laughs> yeah. um, who and is, who is your I, I, the name? Uh, John Clemente, so the head coach yes. of Heidelberg. You kept, from, uh, you kept reminding him about the Heidelberg loss in the semi final. I thought that was a big call personally. <laughs> I, I didn't understand what was well, going on there. We, we can we can discuss the ins and outs of of what was actually going on because like. I so so to give you a peek behind the, the the curtain of the broadcast. I knew, like we we were we were clearing these these crosses. You know, I was having a little bit of a chat. Like, okay, Jono, here's this idea. Would you be prepared to yep. to roll with it? I'm not just hauling him down there mm. and making him talk about whatever. All right, I I'm like. Would you be okay with this? And then he says yes or no. And if he's not cool with it, then we don't go down okay. there. Because you got to remember as well, where we were doing the live crosses on the day, uh, we were standing between the two coaches' boxes. Now, you, you know, the coaches are going to be able to hear. You don't want to do anything to piss them off. So you have to be careful. Mm. And I asked him, okay, I want to I, – basically, I wanted to frame it as in, okay, South Melbourne are 2-0 down. We've seen them come back from this position. And I asked him very clearly – are you okay if we reference the semi-final? And look, to be fair, John Clemente took that suggestion like a champion. Was happy to you lean in to the uh, to the meme, I guess, which mm. we always appreciate and uh, discuss it. But honestly, I, I, and maybe there's an element of bias here, but I thought that his sideline contributions yeah. in terms of really the actual good. tactical really analysis good. that yeah. he was able to provide pre and uh, halftime during the game was 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 really really. Um, 
really valuable. And I think also gave me an even greater appreciation for the approach Calder take to mm. their games and just how comfortable of a game this was in the end as a result of, of their approach. I think having Jono Clemente and also Gabby Garten on the broadcast yes. really is, well, when you talk about it being a really excellent product as a whole, and I completely agree, and I think having those two expert voices really added to that. And so I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought it was it was a really good show, yeah. if you will. It was, no, it was a really good um, broadcast. I did start with some technical difficulties. I thought that Optus stream wasn't working for me, but then I realised Safari is never good for watching sport, so you always have to switch to the better uh, server, which is Chrome. And it didn't. When I did see you guys' face, and I did see the game. It's really good stuff. That first half was really exciting, and you know I thought that South obviously had some moments, but Calder obviously with their professionalism mm. and the system that they truly they seem to really really believe in, and they they stick to it no matter how you know the game is going for them. They just walk ultimately kind of walked away like really comfortable winners. Yep. But you know who we can speak to about this game that probably has better has better insight than we you know personally would have is Alex Sinclair. But we're just trying to see if. Uh, She's in. Lockie, you let me know. You are the. I will. Producer. I will let you know. Do you, do you and Oscar want to run through the uh, the goals before we get to the person who scored the uh, the second very shortly? Uh, yeah. Well, of course. Well, Oscar, that first goal from Alana Chern. How Cern. Cern. I can't. I need to. I need a confirmation. You know, who, someone else can give us confirmation. Mm. How did you think of that first goal? Because that was really nice. Yeah. Well, the first goal kind of set up the remainder of the game, didn't it? That that ball from Alexis Rossi through kind of split the whole South Melbourne defence and midfield in half. Uh, and there was Alana Sen making the run with a really nice finish. Jenna Farrow came out and yeah. kind of was caught in the middle. Yeah, not she, had, sure she was caught in no man's land. Really whether, whether to come or to go. And, and it was a really composed finish from, from Alana Cern. And, of course, Alana was also heavily involved in the second goal, goal as well, playing the ball through where Alex Sinclair, who we're, of course, very lucky to speak to in just a moment, uh, showed all of her experience and guile, if you will, around the goal with, with a really clever header. And then started the second half, penalty one, Taranto converts it, game set match. Yeah, well, you know what? I think the best place to start, it's not when most stories start, but you know, we'll start at the second goal. The second goal. <laughs> the second that's, goal. That's, that's what they always say. I think Scorsese said <laughs> says that, that one, actually. I think he says that. So, <laughs> obviously, just a beautiful flick. Like, I, like, you just, I, I was very, I was almost so... Instinctive, instinctive. I was it? so caught off guard with that goal and I was like looking around going, wait, how's that goal ended up in? And obviously the goal scorer of that was Alex Sinclair, who we have on now. Alex, are, are you there? Hi, Pakua. How are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Alex, you've got to kind of walk us through the goal because I was confused. You must when you when it happened, were you kind of just like, I know this is going in the back of the net, or were you just like, where's this ball ending up? Oh, I think initially um, it, it was a case of right place, right time. <laughs> um, but, you know, Alana had the opportunity to have a strike and um, as we moved up, you know, uh, not to be caught offside. Uh, I got a glimpse of the the keeper to the left of me and um, the defender, which was trying to catch me offside. And I didn't know until I watched the back that the keeper could have possibly caught that if I didn't flick it on. Um, so my gut instinct was just to give it a little bit of a nudge and, and make sure it's directed into the back of the net. So just clarifying, no hard feelings with Alana. Alana was satisfied that that wasn't going <laughs> in if you didn't no, get the No, the best thing was um, is that we both celebrated like we scored and that's that's a goal for you when it's a team effort. I, I believe no goal is ever scored alone. So 
um, when you can see a celebration where two people are claiming a goal, it's 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 wonderful to see. And we did clear it up in the change room, so there's no hard feelings. I think that's always the best kind of goal is when, when uh, at least or more than one person feels like they've scored a little bit of that goal and can celebrate just uh, as if they had scored it, which, of course, only you have that exclusive privilege, Alex. We all know that. Oh. We all know that. I appreciate but, that. But um, the, the other interesting thing, of course, first things first, uh, congratulations, yes, by the sure way, so. uh, on behalf of Thank the Radio you. Dub team for what is a, a monumental effort from the colder side collectively but also from yourself as an individual. But this goal... Your fourth, the fourth consecutive time you scored in a Nike FC Cup final. I'm not sure if you're aware of this history, but you are the single most player who has put the most goals in the back of the net in the Nike FC Cup as a whole. Uh, are you aware of that that hot streak of, of four straight? You know, I know you're aware of the team streak, which is five consecutive now. But you scored in four straight. Did you know that? And, and how are you feeling about that? That nice bit of um, you know, bit of statistical uh, hoodoo that's on your side. <laughs> Well, once again, it wasn't uh, until I watched it back that I learned of that uh, information. Um, you and uh, Joey, good old Joey Lynch, seem <laughs> to do their background research really well. So um, I wasn't aware. Um, and then it wasn't until I watched it back and, and, and Joey mentioned that. Um, it was really nice to know. Um, once again, something I don't really pay attention to. I just like to go out there and get the job done and, and um, yeah, make sure I enjoy those moments with my team. Well, obviously, you've as, as Lockie mentioned, you've you've won this tournament a, a few a few times. You know, just comfortable. The, the trophy cabinet must be looking pretty healthy at the moment. <laughs> but is there one Nike FC Cup that kind of maybe stands out more, or or they kind of hold the ultimately hold the same amount of weight for you every time? Oh, look, uh, I've had the privilege to play. I think in uh, I I was actually cup tied the first year, so mm. I didn't actually get to uh, play in the 2017 one when I came across to Calder. Um, so I've been a part of the last four, um, consecutive ones out of the five and, and each of those has its own memory. Um, it's, it's been a different team every year. Um, and the fact that, you know, like you can keep winning these things, um, while injecting new players into your team, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, this one meant a lot to us because it's such a young group and I think there was uh, a lot of disbelief, um, outside of our environment that we can't do it again, um, that it's time to give it up. So that was fuel for all the girls and particularly for me as their captain to just, uh, along with, uh, you know, Adriana Taranto and Natasha Dakic, my co-captains, to just drive that um, into the team and and the results showed on the day how much they wanted it. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up, Alex, that sort of transition of this squad year on year because did, did this... Did this obviously, you know, once you get to a final, you, you're the favourites against South Melbourne, you're, you're top of the table, you've only conceded, you know, six goals for the year. You, you would be cognizant of your position of favourites. But to go back right before a ball was kicked in the MPLW this season, were you, would you have been surprised to, to find the team in this position? Because I remember speaking to, to you know, the head coach of Colter, your head coach, uh, Mark Torcaso, at the start of the year, and you guys did bring through this season or have brought through this season six or seven mm players from the under-19s who have slotted into that senior fold. Are you surprised that even with that sort of um, turnaround, those players coming in, that you've been able to just really sustain that that success through the league and through the Cup as well? Uh, look, you're always surprised with what um, players can do and, and that's the beauty of football is that 
the players are always impressing you and surprising you with their ability, and I think that's amazing. Um, we've got a really good club where development is across all teams. So obviously the 19s coming up, we're coached very well and trained very well, and um, we knew that the quality that was coming up was going to, you know, um, sit well with the senior group and the experienced players. So, um, I yes, it, at the start, it was very much focused on development. Let's see where we go, start fresh. But this group is incredible. And the mm. fact that these girls have just come in and, you know, um, added to that uh, quality within the group is, uh, is incredible. Thinking about the sort of partnership as well with, you know, Western United as well, which, which we might get the chance to ask you a little bit more about later on. Yeah. Does that not link really well with you know that that <clears throat> partnership? This really speaks volumes about the uh, the value of what those uh, academies can actually do for a, a side at the senior level and could bring into that A League women's setup as well. Because you know the under 19s as you said, were a, a super super successful team. They've got that uh, identity of of playing the colder way, but also the colder mindset, which is one of you know, expecting to, to win in, in many circumstances. And they really have just slotted straight in. I feel like that really speaks to the value of what an academy that it all, you know, learning the same way from the top down can can bring into a club. I think it's worked out perfectly. I mean, as you guys know, a couple of years ago, or just under a couple of years ago, the um, call departed with Western. Um, and it was primarily to join forces to create that pathway for women. Um, and that hard work has paid off because they've now got the the women's licence for this upcoming season. So um, with the quality from our youth, <laughs> even from our little mini roos, you know, you see some little guns in there. Um, it just goes to show that this is a new pathway for girls that haven't had that opportunity, um, particularly from the West, um, to, you know, strive to play one day for their for their town or their home community um, and to represent their club. I wanted to ask Alex. You mentioned the the partnership, obviously, with Western United and the introduction into the A League Women's in the in the upcoming season. I suppose is is that kind of on the squad's mind when you're playing a game like this, knowing that you know that this could potentially be kind of a a launch pad for an even further career in in the A League Women's. I think it's always um, everyone's ambition to play at that top level in Australian football, and it should be um, because uh, although we're at the highest level in Victoria, you always want that next step. And these girls are, are really focused and um, committed to putting all the hard work in to take that next step. And um, although it's it's there and it's, it's always going to be in the back of your mind, um, the best thing we can do is just focus in the moment too and, and make sure that we, you know, finish this season on um, and give them the opportunities to be seen and, um, you know, hopefully have that opportunity to play um, in the Western Colours. Now, for you, Alex, how do you, like, stay, like, well, you know, getting into this season, you've been part of, you know, women's football in Australia for a really long time. How do you find that, you know, that motivation to mm. get into this this season, be like, you know what, this is just a, another season, I need to be better and, you know, take your game to another level? How do you do that for yourself? Oh, I, I just love the game, um, everything about it. Uh, football's been a part of my life, you know, for the past 24 years, so... Although I haven't had that opportunity to play for the, you know, the actual A-League, um, I don't think many people would remember the old national competition because it was many moons ago. Um, but it's uh, it's something that's always an ambition of mine along with all these other girls. So I guess 
you know, playing in a young group and, and uh, they keep me on my toes and they make me want it. So uh, I play with that ambition, but I, um, I also understand, obviously, you know, I don't have much time left, so I just got to keep working hard with the time I do. Obviously, the game's not always going to love me. So I want to, you know, go back to when that partnership was announced between Calder and Weston. Where were you when you found that information out? And, like, what was your instant reaction when that, you first heard that? Uh, I was within Calder um, and uh, we heard the news of the original partnership um, through uh, our president, Amanda, and our coach, Mark Tocasso, um, along with the CEO, Chris Palvanis. Um, so they were, it was special enough to, to grab a, a, a few of our experienced players in and, and let us know that we'll be addressing it to the group. And um, it was, yeah, it was incredible um, to see the girls' reactions and then know that there would be, you know, a chance to have an academy and to train extra days in the week and then play some, you know, friendly games against other communities and interstate um, it was awesome, you know, the inclusiveness from Western. Uh, it was like we were already uh, one of theirs. Um, mm. So, yeah, it was really good. Alex, you're, as you sort of mentioned before, one of the more experienced heads in what is increasingly, and especially this season, uh, a young squad. And I, ge- I guess that must uh, push you closer together with Mark as well because uh, <laughs> when we've spo- spoken to him before, he's always talked about how, there's often times in the change room where there'll be certain songs that'll come on on the on the radio or on a playlist or something, and all, all the younger members of the squad are like, "I've never heard this song before," but you two know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, we, we've gotten the chance uh, on this station a lot of times to hear about the relationship between you two from his side, but I'd be really interested to to know, uh, you know, your how you feel your relationship with uh, with Marcus. What does he mean to you? No, Mark's uh, Mark and I relationship it's uh, it's pretty unique, you know. Um, sometimes I love hate, but mostly love. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's all love. Um, yeah, he's he he was actually a part of why I actually stepped back into the MPL um, back in 2017, um, and you know he he kept an eye on me and kept pushing me to come back in, and and I finally um, took the opportunity to do so, and. Every year, like I said earlier on, has been a challenge and I think with every challenge our relationship has grown because we've just um, had to find a way um, to make it work and I think that um, shows in in the success that the club has had as well as our senior team. Um, But I will confirm that he does give me that look every time a nine chat comes on <laughs> and he goes, Alex, Alex, you remember this one? And the girls are just looking around going, what is this? Yeah, so that's when you know you're, you're closer to your coach's age because, um, yeah, only you two remember the songs. <laughs> are you ever like, are you ever the DJ or the the, the players going like, Alex, I feel like you should step away from the Spotify. I, I think I don't even, I don't even get a chance to control um <laughs> the the music to be honest because I think they'll all um, all cram at what, what will be played but um no look at, there are some songs that come on in the change rooms um that I don't know and this day and age um but the girls are pumped up by it and I love seeing the enthusiasm and the dance moves and just the excitement in the change room so it doesn't matter what what we listen to as long as they're happy well obviously you know there is a there is an age gap between you and the younger players but how do you like connect with them and then also like help to motivate them and you know help grow their career because because you know sometimes you can find that if someone's a little bit older then it might be hard to relate to them but how do you like how do you get that to do that with them 
Yeah, um, I think I think it comes from experience. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that that you're faced with in football isn't seen on the pitch. So, um, you know, there's adversities and, and struggles that these girls go through behind closed doors, which I um, can help in a way because maybe I've experienced something like that along the way or, um, you know, gone through something that they're new at going through. And I think it just comes down to just life experience and, and um, having that relationship with them and that openness that they can come and talk to me anytime they like. Um, just as long as I, you know, we, we settle it and we go back out on, on the field and play with, with our heart. And, and when, when you talk about, I guess, the age of the squad, Alex, and on the pitch, though, you're, you're, the, the colder side is so mature, the performances, mm. it's so impressive. It's, it's like a team that's kind of been together for 10 years. Yeah, in it's, tune as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Know, know what they're doing. I guess, I, I guess my question is, are you surprised even by how good your team is at? putting out those kinds of performances and how have you got to the point where so many young players can gel so effectively and, and function so so impressively? Um, I'm, I'm actually not surprised with it because we've got this culture that just allows people to step into it that want to be a part of, you know, our vision and just, you know, um, you just just somehow adapt to that, and um, it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, our experienced players, you know, they're very welcoming, and I know sometimes it can be uh, daunting for youth to step into a, a senior group or an older age group, but uh, no, we make it as welcoming as possible. And you know, some of these young girls are even running the show these days. So um, it it just goes to show how much we we respect and love each other. And um, yeah, I think that that natural want for everyone to succeed is always going to be there. Well, certainly if there's at least one thing that, that does unite you all is that you're all a, a tremendously talented group of players and, you know, one who, who got to hoist that uh, very very nice-looking Nike FC <laughs> Cup is, trophy. Yeah, I, I was very – I got to see it up close in the flesh. You know I what? Like, Nike, I like the design. Nike I appreciate it. Money for that trophy. They did. <laughs> they did. Uh, and I'm sure I know that Alex would be very familiar with the design <laughs> of that trophy as well. Um, but you guys yeah, got it's to- still heavy. It's still heavy. Oh, my God. Just as heavy as it was the, uh, the, the first time around. Yeah, I don't even remember it being heavy this time around, so I think it was a load of all the other things going on, but well, no, it's good. But you got to, you got to lift it on – on Sunday, of course. I'm curious to know, without too much detail, obviously, you don't want to get anyone fined or you don't want to get anyone in trouble, but I'm curious <laughs> to know how, how much, you know, even though you have celebrated it so many times, uh, how the celebrations were on Sunday night. Because I know that Joey had a handful of invitations to the Roxy pub that he had to turn down <laughs> from Mark Torcaso. So I'm curious to know how much you guys enjoyed the, uh, the, the fifth time yeah. celebrations. It, it was probably the most low key one we've had um, <laughs> out of all, and I tell you what, I was I was speaking to the girls last night. I was just like, that was really awesome. Like, I really enjoyed that because it was just it was actually the first time where all of the girls, all of the staff, coaches, trainers, um, anyone included, um, were just in the same space at the one time, um, enjoying that um, result and that win. Um, and just to be in, in each other's company on such a high like that where there's pizzas and ciders or beers, whatever, involved, water as well, um, <laughs> it, was just, it was just nice to see everyone enjoying themselves and I, I couldn't be more happier with that, with a, that night. A kind of speech. It didn't go past 12 o'clock. It actually wow. didn't go past 10, 
10 30 i confirmed wow the that's, that's actually waiting i uh, see that, uh, that i'm surprised yeah, that that, that, i guess that that does speak to what you were saying though about the um maturity <laughs> beyond the years of a lot of this squad and the commitment as well because there, yeah. there's something to be said for for raucous celebration but also quietly celebrating your achievements <laughs> just having a relaxed evening to do that is, is very enjoyable as well. But, of course, you guys, the reason you've still got that commitment and focus is because you've still got a very important piece of the, the season puzzle to, yeah. to attempt to, to fit into the jigsaw, which is obviously taking out the uh, the NPLW Grand Final and the Premiership as well for, for the first time in a number of seasons because we have waited a very long time for it. But uh, three games to end the season against Bayside, South Melbourne and Element. Well, the catch-up game as well against Box Hill. Are you confident yes. of uh, yeah. closing out that, that season and, and hopefully continuing what's uh, been what we like to refer to as the... Uh, the colder canter yes. here at Radio Dub, where you guys just get into a rhythm and just tick along and, and, and get the results you need to, to get. Are you confident of seeing that out till the end of the season and hopefully uh, lifting another trophy at the end of it? I definitely believe this group is capable of doing that. And, um, you know, the commitment and excitement within the group is to go all the way is there. And I think when you don't have that, you know, you, you you don't have that belief or confidence in your team. So it's definitely there. It shows every training session. It shows every game day. It shows on, on a special occasion like Sunday. Mm. Um, you know, these girls, they're a hardworking, you know, bunch, very deserving of the success they've, you know, received so far um, because I believe they've earned it, you know. And for a group that's achieved what they have, so like we've got a keeper who's got, you know, Alyssa Dallas Day who's got the most clean sheets in the league. I think the most clean sheets, I don't know, I'll have to ask you, Lucky and uh, Joey Lynch on those stats, but uh, I think in all the years she's possibly close to having yeah. the most clean sheets um, in a uh, NPL season. And then, you know, our, our back line, we've got a solid defence, very versatile midfield um, and, uh, you know, a very crafty forward line who, you know, likes to go up and down the field and create opportunities all over. So I think we have the um, potential to win the plate and back up the championship from 2019. Um, this will actually be our third time as a club, I think, mm. if my stats are correct. Yes. Um, third Premier's plate and third championship trophy that we're going for this year. So it's definitely on everyone's mind. As I said, the celebrations were there on Sunday, but everyone knows there's still a job to do. Um, and that's something we'll be driving over these next couple of weeks to make sure we finish on top and, um, you know, work as hard as possible to get that championship trophy at the end of it. Before you leave, go, Alex, I kind of want to know, is there like a cheat code happening with the colder defence? Because every time I watch them, they just <laughs> never let goals go through. I don't I don't understand if there's like an imaginary brick wall behind yeah. them and they're it's, just... It's, uh, like, it's 12 get, clean sheets, I, I think. Really, I don't really get if it. You, like, if you, added, if you added up... It's 12 uh, the, clean sheets, that's correct. Yeah, if you and if you added up the second and third most amount of clean yeah. sheets in the league, Colder would still have one more than those two combined. Oh, Twice go, as many as second place. And yeah. also, sorry, this is without even going going into the, the reason for inviting you on in the first place, Alex, uh, the Nike <laughs> FC Cup, did not concede a single goal the whole no. whole way through. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. That's very ridiculous. Yes. What's the cheat code? So what's the cheat code? Well, you said cheat code, but I think it's actually sister code, you know, the fact that we want to go out there and just fight for one another no matter what. Um, uh, I, I love that about our team. Um, you know, we've got players, that it's their first year. And it's like you've been with them for the past five years, you know. It's that natural fight that I love seeing within the group because 
that's what I'm all about. And when you get that from your whole team, it just makes it all worthwhile. So we definitely, I can, I'd love to claim that we've got the best defensive line in the league. Um, I hope NPL, I don't get in trouble for NPL for that, but um, I'm, I've got that belief in my back line um, to get the job done and my keeper. You know, it's, they've, they've, I think they've only let six goals through this year as a as a back line and a, and a solid keeper in Alyssa. So that just goes to show how strong we are in the in defence. And I, I will say they don't get a lot of the accolades they deserve. Um, I think when you look at like your history of gold medals and best and fairest and things like that, um, it's very rare that it is a defender. Um, mm. But I, I will definitely make that call that we have some defenders that could possibly be in line for that gold medal this year. Mm. I believe so anyway. You certainly do. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that we won't be seeing – I think we won't be seeing many goals as the for the rest of the season uh, with heading into the finals and for the last few MP, uh, games in the regular season. But, Alex, it was great to have you on and thank you for yeah, taking thanks, time guys. out of your day to speak to us and good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully we might see you in a – you know, if a fun jersey uh, heading into the uh, the upcoming A League women's seasons. Maybe we hope. We'll, we'll hope. We'll yeah. keep working hard. For it, <laughs> <for sure. laughs> Fantastic. Have a have a lovely day, Alex, and thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. And uh, we'll head on a break and then come back and we'll talk about uh, the. The upcoming games this weekend, and uh, get some. Mm. We, should, we should probably d- d- dig a little bit deeper into the yeah. into the finals, well, but yeah. we will we will do that uh, on on the other side of the break. Pickett, she lays it off. Teresa Polaris. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. What a hit from Melina Rez! Wow! And Sam Kerr has a hat trick. Uh, welcome back to Radio Dub. If, you, if you're just joining the show now, we just spoke to uh, Calder United's uh, captain and fantastic, all-round fantastic player and fantastic human being, Alex Sinclair. Um, but if you missed it, don't worry, don't stress. It will be up on uh, all podcast channels. If you listen to Spotify, Apple Podcasts or mm. SoundCloud even, it'll be there. So don't worry about that. But let's debrief maybe a little bit more about that Nike FC Cup. Alex had some really good takes on that and... She played phenomenal, scored the second goal, and her side ultimately came out 3-0 victors. But what did you guys think of the game overall, like the first half to the second half? Because I thought there was some, some a big change heading into that second half. Mm. Oscar, would you, would you like to go first? Yeah. Sure, sure. I, 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 I will say that I think, I think when we spoke about this last week, when we previewed the game, I think that the thing that we left it on was how important it was that South Melbourne's defence held up in the early phases of the game because if they went behind, it would be so much harder than it already is to get something out of the game. Mm. And unfortunately for South Melbourne, they weren't able to do that. They considered two goals in the first 25 minutes. It was, from a South Melbourne perspective, a worst-case scenario. Of course, from Calder, it's it's ideal. And and at that point, I think we saw as the game wore on, really the, the, the belief in South Melbourne kind of gradually faded and, and was drained, understandably yeah. so. But it was it was a it was a classic Calder performance and and they they executed expertly and I thought that it was really interesting hearing John Clemente's views because when he was speaking about you either have to press Calder on the ball or not leave any space in behind, and South Melbourne did neither of those things. Both of those things. I feel like they they tried, but no, they they didn't. They didn't really do either of them. They played quite. They played quite high, but also weren't pressing the ball carrier. And yeah, uh, as as Jono was was saying that. The thing that Calder across the park. I mean, this I was going to specifically single out 
Alana Cern for this. Yes. Brilliant striker of the ball. Like the technical ability of some of these players is, is really, really outstanding, uh, top level. And as a you know part and parcel of that is their distribution from yeah. from long range oh, is yeah. is phenomenal. So that you you could see. I wish there was a counter of um of long passes and and long diagonal balls because that is one of their fundamental routes to attack. And that is why, as Jono was was saying, it's so important that you either try and press them high up the pitch and don't you know or offside trapping players who might be able to get in behind. Don't give a defensive player the time and space to pick out one of those balls over the top or you sit really deep so the ability to play that long ball is harder. But when they were in that sort of mid-block, they weren't really pressing the ball, but they weren't really playing deep. So that's exactly how the first break... And it was funny because Jono said we obviously went for the throw after the first goal to talk about that. But Jono said that within the first three minutes. Mm. And then within sort of... Two, two, three minutes of, of him saying that that's where the first goal came from. And still credit to the outstanding pass over the top and the finish from, from Alana Cern, which still was a, a very good display of her technical ability. But, yeah, it, it, was, it was fascinating given that South have, you know, in this sort of public discussion about this game been very clear and vocal about we have earmarked this as this is the game, like this is the one we're preparing for. You would think that that sort of strength that Calder bring to the table, what their best assets are going forward, obviously it's really hard to stop, Um, but you would think that they would have been aware of that threat. So it was kind of maybe a bit disappointing the way in which they conceded that first goal just because of that's not something that is inconceivable for Calder to yeah. do. That's not an un- incredible way for them to construct an attack. I, I think that the first goal, like as we spoke about, you know, heading into the game, it just kind of killed everything because there were moments when seeing South Melbourne go forward where it kind of looked like they were trying to form something together. And I think a play that was like pre- pretty present when they were going forward and they had some level of possession was Akisha Sandu, who I thought considering how South played, I thought that in the first half particularly, she was their, like, only real, like, outlet of, yeah. of play. And it just, as soon as that first goal went in, it just was like South kind of walked, walked further away from the game plan. Even if we disagree with that game plan, they took a step further because it was just like a sinking feeling and it just kind mm. of showed up in their play as well. Yeah, I, th- I think a goal inside the opening 10 minutes was probably the worst yeah. possible thing. And I think the fact that it was 2-0 as well was maybe... Mm. Because, it, look, you, you look at their last two meetings going into this game and no one's shocked to see that Calder have emerged victors or anything like that. Their last two games, obviously, 3-0 Calder, 5-0 Calder. But on yeah. both of those occasions... Uh, I think the first time around, uh, South either held Calder to to one nil at halftime or goalless. And then the second game, the the three nil, the three nil game uh, at Keelor Park, it was one nil at halftime. So they have shown before that they can suppress suppress Calder just yep. a little bit. You know, the second half's a different story. But I think that would have given them a lot more belief to even just take a one goal deficit into that halftime because they know. In the cup, at least, they have got that sort of bounce-back ability. And the reason we talk so much about how important it is not to go behind against Calder is because it gave that Calder midfield the opportunity to 
well, to sit back deeper. They didn't yeah. have the same impetus to go and press forward. And we, we speak about how good Alana Cern was going and they, forward. And allow but... them to be more creative when they were oh, yeah. going forward because it just gave them the freedom to know we have that more one the goal. space, and, yeah. yeah. They're just to kind of do whatever they wanted and the South Melbourne were kind of defenceless against that cold and midfield who would just kind of overran them at the end. And you speak about Akeisha Sandu. Obviously, they made the move of putting Akeisha into central midfield to try and give them that creativity, but... Sandu, whenever she received the ball, she was so far into her own half yeah. that it was really difficult to, to do anything. And I, and I think, sorry to no. cut you off, Oscar, I think that was just sort of a, a problem that, that South had at large, is the minute that Calder, as you, you're saying, the minute Calder had that lead, they could just use uh, Melissa Taranto and Alana Cern as, as two sixes, and pretty much when you were watching them off the ball, they pretty much had a back six, yep. where the back four was playing in their normal shape when the colder front players were combining. Obviously, Churn can step up. Melissa Taranto can carry if she needs to. But for the most part, they're not coming up, especially with Cern, because she can strike the ball so well. She actually doesn't need to carry that full forward, commit herself that far forward to be an attacking influence. So to get back into position for her, into shape, is is not that hard. She doesn't have to move that quickly. So anytime South Melbourne are trying to break, they've, they've not working against a, an exposed defence that are leaving gaps, they're right. already operating pretty much. Georgia Candelis is trying to run against six players. And for a side that hasn't been great this year at breaking other teams down and have struggled, that's just ultimately mm. ends up being an even more difficult task for them. And that problem from a South Melbourne perspective becomes even more severe when you consider the decision to play Holly Murray as the kind of holding midfield role, which I think was a decision made to not leave gaps in behind or, or in the defence that could be exploited. They were exploited, and when you've got Holly Murray in there and Grace Taranto's playing at centre-back, it puts so much pressure on someone like Akeisha Sandu to create, and South Melbourne didn't create chances from midfield. They didn't generate their own chances from midfield. The best South Melbourne attacks came in the first 10 minutes of the game when they were forcing turnovers high up the pitch. There was that really early chance when... Yana Lawson put in the ball from the left-hand side and Caitlin Pickett had a header, which mm. was just off target. That was as close as South Melbourne got. And that didn't come from one of the central midfielders picking out a pass or creating something because that's so hard to do against Calder. And so once they're in front, well, then then, then Calder take away the opportunity to, to, to be pressed and to turn the ball over deep in their own half. Mm. And I think with that early chance for Caitlin Pickett, I think, I think a lot of these things that we've talked about so far from a South Melbourne perspective are somewhat forgivable because just because you know the things that Calder are really good at doesn't mean you can stop them. And South Melbourne are not alone in struggling to figure out a way that you can thwart Calder United. I mean, we are talking about a team who have won their fifth consecutive Nike FC Cup on Sunday. But I do think one decision that I really perplexed me and I think is probably an area in which... the cat goal. No, 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 not not Cat Goff. I, you know, South are a bit under, you know, under yes, strength in that right. defensive area. I mean, the the really important thing to mention as well is that there was uh, no no Claudia Miacic. Mm. Uh, she's having surgery at the moment. She's a, a, a massive absentee because she's made, I think, forty more clearances than the next nearest teammate. So Grace Taranto, I thought, actually was probably South Melbourne's best on the day. But if you per- pair her up with with Claudia Miacic as opposed to to Sophie Papatsanis, for example, or you chuck Miacic in there, who is such a warrior, you could have thrown Grace Taranto, who can be a bit more of that mm. bombastic midfield presence forward, give some support to Sandu. That would have been really important potentially as well. But I think the the big one where I was like, 
I feel like you you guys messed this one up and could have done better here, was the decision to play uh, Caitlin Pickett almost like in behind Georgia Candelis, like as an attacking midfielder or as like a, like a shadow striker as opposed to up alongside up alongside Georgia Candelis because Georgia's a great player. Don't get me wrong. She's, she's super quick. She's got the pace in behind. I can understand why you would put her up there, and she has done a, a good job there before. But I think the Calder backline is colossal, and I'm not just talking in terms of their strength, their actual physical presence. Like They are a, a, a strong physical side across the park, especially in that defense. To leave someone who is slightly more, uh, you know, your diminutive speeds to type in Georgia Candelis just by themselves, I think did lead to her quite a lot getting pretty much left on an, on an island yeah. by herself yeah. and having little ability to influence the contest. And that's without even mentioning the fact that the ball, you know, rarely if ever to got her. to her to yeah. begin with. But especially when you're making those long clearances, you, if I, your only presence to try and win those balls in the air is Georgia Candelis, you're not really giving it, yourself much it, of a chance, whereas Pickett is more of yeah. a, a physical presence potentially. And she's got that ability to, to pick a pass to. I think it would have been... South would have been better served by going with two up top and allowing those two to work a little bit together um, and for Pickett to do a bit more of that because physical work it too. it did look like every time that Pickett was able to get the ball, she she looked like she was trying to create something and, and was not a challenge because I think the colder defence is the colder defence we've spoken about it, but mm. coming in from that left-hand side, she like she was kind of putting pressure, more pressure than anybody else I saw from South heading into that, they're attacking that de, that colder defence. and So it was just a bit strange that she was so, so much deeper than I think she, mm. she should have been. Mm. And I think, I think that also speaks to, within this South Melbourne squad, the actual lack of a recognised number 10 as well. Like there's not really someone who can do that out and out. I think South might have hoped that a transfer window might have been some an area or a period in which they'd be able to bring someone in to fill that void, but... Obviously, we all know the situation. Uh, no one was able to bring players in because of the um, you know, the professional system and standards of the rule. Not the windows of obviously are aligned with the usual windows. Um, so, if you don't have a recognised ten, why play with one? Like you could, they they could it's have gone. Football. Like I, I know, and I know you could also use Francesca Iamano there as well, but. I think I can see what she brings to a central midfield role, like she, uh, Francesca Riamano. Like she's because she is so quick and she does have a good ability to read the game. She does do a good job making a lot of interceptions off the ball, and I think we saw that on a few occasions where she could see a pass coming and she's so she quick that she off. can get across to it very well. But I just feel like you're losing a lot of her absolute best attacking strengths to sort of drive through players when you yeah. put her in that central midfield role. So if, if, if you don't have an attacking midfielder, play a flat four four two. You can play Sandy there. If you want to play Imano alongside, you can, but you can also throw her into, into a wide area of the pitch. I feel like the approach, yes, I'm not saying that changing the system would have given South the win or anything like that, but I, I do think... Oh, I can't help but wonder how that game might have been different if, yeah. if you if, know, if, if, if a different. Don't, if Calder don't score in the first ten minutes. Yeah, and and yeah. if a different approach was was maybe taken into the fixture. But again, acknowledging the fact that Calder are 
behemoths of this tournament, South were missing important players and, and all of that as well. You know what? It is great to look in the past. Oh, hey, Oscar, don't oh. let me cut you off. You've got to speak up, mate. When you're on the show, you've got to speak up. I, 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 what can I say? I'm a very patient person. <laughs> no. Uh, the, and then the only other thing I think kind of related to that point, which is just looking at it from Calder's perspective and credit to Mark Torcaso's side. It's another point that John Clemente picked up on, which I think is so very true, is recognising that because of all these things that we've spoken about and structural challenges for South Melbourne, as we say, that means that the best chances are created by pressing and trying to force the turnover. What Calder are so good at, not not just on Sunday, but in general, is not giving the opposition opportunities to press them, how quickly they get the ball up the pitch... And, and, and I think that's such an intelligent way of going about it is, you know, recognising that that is the, the, I guess, the origin point of so many of their attacks, but they don't dawdle on the ball back there. They don't waste mm. any time. There's always purpose and they're always looking to create even from, let's say, centre-back. And it, that, that makes it even more challenging for opposition teams to find a weakness or find a way to put Calder under pressure. And I'm, curi- I'm curious to... Sorry, Pico, just a, a final point. I'm curious to know how that tactical approach will work in the A-League women's as well. Mm. It won't be the same players, obviously, but you would imagine that the system will, under Mark Torcaso will, will by and large be the same or similar to how it is now. But obviously there'll be the new blood in in the A-League women's. You know, you'd, It's a new team. It might be a situation where they're expecting other sides to dominate more of the ball, to have more possession than perhaps, um, you know, Mark has grown, or the opposition to have more possession than perhaps Mark has grown accustomed to these days. How does that impact the approach that they take now? Does it help them? Does it hinder them? I could, I think you could make a case for it for being of benefit, particularly if if they've got people within that squad who can play those long passes over the top. I I can't see any reason why why it wouldn't work out. And on that point, I think it will be interesting not only Colder having the ball. So you give it, you give me one little go, Pukua, and I just keep. You just going. can't get enough. Yeah. It's okay, um, not only the opposition having more of the ball, but also you'd imagine that the pressing would be more intense. intense. Yeah, more co- yeah, coordinated. Mm. You know, I, I can foresee a world in which we see Calder in possession and kind of, particularly at the beginning, there being an adjustment period to getting used to the fact that they don't have the same amount of time and that the pressing is not only more intense but also more incessant. Like it's constantly going there, and that mm. that. It'll be really interesting, I think, to observe, particularly with some of the younger players, how they adapt and if they can evolve yeah. to, to meet that standard. Whether, whether or not they do end up being a part of West New York. Indeed. Because who knows? Yes. Who knows? We only know two so far. That's right. And I'm, I'm excited for this. I feel like Western United needs to be doing some really fun drops because it needs to be like we get a different like player and like different like someone new part of Western United announcing it, you know, because I remember a few years ago when uh, the Lionesses were revealing their squad for the Women's World Cup, they just had... Uh, Legends of of the game just being like, hey, this person, you are a part of the squad. So I feel like that's what Western's uh, media, social media team needs to be. Like an I, advent I, calendar. Yeah, I want they need exactly. Western United legends. Uh, Western United. I'm legend. not sure Western United or have had enough or, time to make legends. Hey, 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 they've won. They've won. A, they've won a, a title. So that's true. So you know what? So just use the current squad then. <laughs> Alex and Kogan will announce herself. Yeah, yeah. well, that would be <laughs> that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, we hope to see. That potentially, but um, you know what? We can't dwell too much on the past. The past has happened, but we still have a NPL uh, W season going on. Lucky, I mean, Oscar. As I say those words, I just feel anxious that you're going to come and criticise me again. So, 
Wow. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> the girl was just trying to obscure the it's fact that she called you my name. It's a, no, no, it's a callback from two episodes ago. Listen back to it. Oscar tries to. Oh, apparently, I'm the only one who does because I remember the predictions <laughs> we make on this show and you guys don't. Um, but uh, heading to the first game of this weekend, uh, Friday the 12th of August uh, at Wembley Park, we have Box Hill United versus playing FV Emerging. Mm. Boys. Can't spend too long on it because you guys already decided to use all your words for today. But uh, tell me score predictions and just a brief summary of what you think is going to happen. Emerging so hard to predict. It's, it's, we, we have said it, this. And, and, and it's I'll our favourite it saying. I feel like when you say he's one, that will be there. Yeah, and, and you know, so that, that, that makes predicting emerging impossible. I mean, they could lose for one or they could win for one. I'm going to go with they're going to win 3-1 at Wembley Park. I have a good feeling about emerging after their win over, over South Last time out, they looked really good. Okay. Uh, well, uh, then, of course, there was the Boleyn game. But even in that game... Look they are adding words every time I that, say keep it short and sharp. Every time, man. Emerging 3-1. <laughs> Lucky, what are you thinking of the game this weekend? Uh, I'm going to make a very vibes-based prediction mm-hmm. here. We like that around uh, And for no other reason than FE Emerging are just one of those teams that, as Oscar said, you can't re- rely on them necessarily to be pumping out results I'm going consistent- to do a bingo board when we say these phrases. <laughs> pumping out results consistently, <laughs> given that Emerging have had a decent few weeks and they beat South Melbourne so convincingly last week, I'm going to say Box Hill win 2-1. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, going to, I'm, going to go with that. I'm going to go with that one with Lockheed. I'm going to go Box Hill 2-1 against FV Emerging. But I wouldn't be surprised if either team won, if it was a low-scoring or high-scoring. You know, uh, who knows? <laughs> high-scoring, I don't know. What. I mean, I'm looking over the last five games for Emerging and obviously they did play that game in midweek against Bulleen. But loss, win, loss, win, yeah. loss, win. Like, yeah. that's the last five. Next game, uh, heading following a, you know obviously a difficult weekend for South Melbourne losing the Nike FC Cup final to Calder, they face uh, they have another difficult challenge. They face Heidelberg United uh, on Saturday at three pm at Lakeside Stadium. Tough game for them. Uh, will they have a bounce back from the weekend? What do you think, Oscar? My worry for South is that I wonder if the new coach bounce is dissipating and it's if it's yeah. wearing off. We, I think we saw there probably there it was against Calder, but possibly their worst two performances in their last two games. So I'm not convinced that there's much light at the end of this season's tunnel for South. So I, I would be bet- I would be predicting a 4-1 Heidelberg win. Okay. Mm. Lockie? Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe if that sort of um, upset win over a bigger side, that coupon has been redeemed already once mm. this season and, and South sort of got that you know, last time they met Heidelberg in the Nike FC in the Nike FC semi final. The other thing is the head coach of Heidelberg has had a full <laughs> day of yeah. like Sitting he has coiled like the Viper, Randy Orton, just like mm. watching from the sky yeah. how South have been going. Um, has maybe had an extra bit of. So you're saying an RKO is coming? No, bit of bit of lead in time, and also again, I really don't think. I know I've already mentioned it once, but I don't think you can understate the significance of that Claudia Mircic injury. Uh, Losing far and away your best central defender, your most consistent central defender, uh, when you're coming into a game against a side who have the league's two most potent scorers, uh, that's not a a recipe, I don't think, for success. So I will say uh, three... One Heidelberg. I think with uh, South, I think the big game for South Melbourne this season, after a, such a really poor season, I think was that Nike FC Cup final. I think that 
I think it's, they've knocked all the wind out of their sails, really, and they're just trying to get to the end of the season. And hopefully, I, I'd like to be proven wrong, but I foresee a 3 1 uh, Heidelberg win over South Melbourne. Uh, Sheep. Shape. Yeah. You know, I'll go 3-0. I'll go, no, you're not. I'll go 3-0. I will change it up for you, Oscar. Just a spite-based prediction. <laughs> a vibes-based prediction and a spite-based prediction. Just because you come critical on my <laughs> show yet again, remember whose show it is, okay? You've got to remember these things, yeah? Um, but we're heading in 3.30 kickoff uh, this Saturday at Kingston Heath Soccer Complex. We have Bayside United playing Calder. I think this game is pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't. I yes. I'm, I'm, I'm personally thinking a 4-0 cold of... I'll say 5-1. Fair enough. See how I went Going before? Going with the 1. Yeah. See how I went yeah. before? Yeah, it happened last time. That's right, yeah. I remember Julia Budiongo opened yes. the scoring. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because we've spent so much time talking up Calder's defence, why not let them concede a 7th <laughs> of the season for fun? As a, You know, Bayside, as a treat, you can just have a goal. You know my favourite game at the moment is... Have Bayside scored. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, working in favour of the game then. Well, then I raise you Calder win 4-2. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two yeah. goals. Wow. That's... Julia Budiongo's having a you day. That, that would be... But you know what I would have liked? You, would... do, you do realise that for them to concede two, that would be a third of all the... Well, no, it would be a quarter of all yeah. the goals that they have conceded for the whole year. And that's in all competitions, yeah. by yeah. the way. You know what? Uh, I, I would have... That's a bold you. prediction. I would have <laughs> dared Oscar to have said that's Alex and Cloud. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? I don't believe you. <laughs> You're right, sorry, uh, and to, <laughs> and to uh, finish off the weekend's fixture, weekend's Monday actually this game played. On Monday fifteenth at eight fifteen, we have Bulleen Lions versus Alameda FC, which I think could probably be the game of the round mm. at v- the Veneto Club. Is that how we go, we say it? I'm not. Yeah, the Ven, Ven- Veneto. Up yeah. to you. I'm not quite sure. I don't have the pronunciation skills. But uh, guys, what do you think of? Uh, uh, an Oscar. Alex Sinclair just texted and she says, 4 2 Oscar. Oof. And I'm like, you, know what? you know what? That's right, Alex. Oscar here is lying, okay? He's just trying to be controversial. It's not happening. I'm sorry, Alex. <laughs> We've had our first apology of the podcast. This is brilliant. I think this will be a really, really good game. Uh, FC Bullying Lions and Alamein have run each other quite close. Uh, obviously, the last time they faced each other was 3 0 in favour of Bullying, but on the, the first time they met each other, Really close. Berlin got the win. Obviously, uh, they took each other to extra time in the Nike FC Cup as well in in the quarters of, of that competition. So they are they are a hard team to beat. Alamein. Yeah. That that is one thing they certainly are under Cat Smith. They give the top four or the rest of the top four, sorry, as it presently stands, a really hard hard time to sort of overcome them. But I think Berlin will do it. Although I say it will be close. I'm going to go. Three uh, one or three two. I'm going to go the best result for the neutral. I'm going to say three two. Pauline. Three two. You know what? I'm going to go two one. Alamein. Two nil. Wow. Bulleen. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, Alamein is difficult, but you know they what? Are, well, the, uh, will you be watching? Will you be re-watching, re-listening to the show to tell us if we were right or wrong? And I, I will. All, and listening to all of us this time, and not just yourself and being self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was the only one listening to all three. But you didn't remember all three. You just remembered your... your it's own. not my job to remember your <laughs> predictions. It it's helpful. your job to listen back to your own predictions <laughs> and been, come back with them with the show. It's know, it's preparing. <laughs> it is Prepa- preparing. But do you want you, me to write a spreadsheet? That would be nice. Okay. That would be nice. Well, I'm off I go now then <laughs> to, to do another show and also 
also update our predictions. If you're doing a spreadsheet, I may well change my base. I'd call it a prediction. <laughs> Does Alex want to text through her tips? That's what I'm saying. Uh, but you know what? Hold her 11 nil. It's great, obviously, having 12, you. No. <laughs> it's great having you guys on the show this week. You know what, Alex? I'm uh, not Alex. I just called uh, Oscar Alex because you know what? Oh, I'd like to replace Oscar with. She's Alex. in her heads. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, now I know how stuff Melbourne feel. <laughs> it was fantastic to have Alex Sinclair on the show, and you can obviously catch that uh, that interview on all of anywhere of our streaming. Platform. If you can think of a podcast platform, well, will you'll be there. This pod Oscar, is on there. You've redeemed yourself from last week, oh, so you, you you probably will be back next week. Oh, we'll see stop. how we'll see how I feel. Lockie, thank you. You've been a permanent. That's the gig economy I know and love. Yeah, <laughs> Lockie's been per- is a permanent stayer of this show, and you know he asked some good questions. He asked some really good questions today, and uh, hopefully his predictions are wrong and mine are correct. Used to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, next up is uh, the MPL Victoria show with uh, the Nick- pod. The, the pod. MPL Victoria pod. Sorry, Important. Pod. Do not get us into Sorry. legal hot water, please. Pod. <laughs> With Nick Tabano and Lockie Flanagan, and uh, good night, everybody. See you soon. Pickett, she lays it off to Reza Polaris. Oh!